Do you have any crazy stories like that as a kid? Hmm. Oh, I have gruesome, <laughs> a, a gruesome story that, like, it wasn't anything as little as SpaghettiOs. Did I remember. For the radio? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, I mean, I felt horrible about this. We were just playing in the neighborhood and, and we had this, um, this lawnmower. It was a hand lawnmower and we were playing with it. I was showing my friend how you could like, like with a straw, cut a straw with that. Oh no, no. Yeah. Oh no. It got a little crazy. Um, it was just like the tip of her finger, but oh, okay. I felt, That's, yeah, it right. wasn't, it wasn't a huge, That's good. <laughs> but it was still huge. And I've, right. that's probably the worst thing that ever happened to me to be responsible for, for yeah, I, that's much worse than SpaghettiOs. It is a bit mu- yeah, that's a lot. Oh, my finger's just feeling. I know. I, I just, I, I knew uh, uh, one of my good friends from high school had lost her entire leg because of the ooh, lawnmower. Ooh. As, as like a child. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I kudos to her for being able to do what she does. She's an artist now. She's really cool. Um Yeah, that's the thing that I love seeing about certain people. Like stuff happens and some people it will just like keep them a victim forever. Mm-hmm. Or you can find the gift in what happened in that. And like it shifts your focus to something else that you can just thrive in, thrive in, excel in, be wonderful in. I've seen this, uh, a few people, um, they they lost their arms and they play guitar with their feet. And I'm just like, what? In their own way, too, and like nobody else nobody, can. Like, literally nobody else can do this because they, who who thinks about, if you have hands, there's no way you're thinking, oh, I'm going to learn how to play guitar with my feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you're like a, a circus Unless you go with the, the, yeah, the path of least resistance. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. It, there's, there's was one guy that I saw recently. He, he had uh, misshapen hand, his hands and, like, developed fully. Or and he's like missing a hand on one side, so he plays the piano with his chin, his like, uh, like the the small finger appendage that he has, and his like uh, other arm that's in a in a nub, mm-hmm. kind of, effectively. And he he's playing these this beautiful piano piece, oh, and I'm great. like, that takes. I can barely get myself to sit down to practice piano with all of my fingers and mm-hmm. everything. I can't imagine the the struggle and the frustration you might have to do that, to figure it out. Maybe it comes down to like what I said about like the challenge of a struggle is what one of the things that really drives me musically. And like if it hadn't been for those limitations, they might not have had such a deep passion and will or like, I mean, this is. Nothing compared to not having the limbs, but, you know, like not being able to speak up or be shy, like those limitations drive you all the more readily to go deeper into music rather than or or any art rather than it just being something so easy. 
So I, I guess one limitation that you might have had, uh, at least growing up, would be being a woman in a probably mostly male-dominated area. Have you ever experienced like sexism on that kind of level? Well, there, it's really changed through the years. Um, I remember with um, Gypsy Blue when Diane and I went, we took a special trip down to Washington, D.C. to some really good places where you can get sound equipment. Now it's easier to get them closer to home, but back then that's where we went, and we were in this. We had the money in our hands, like 800 bucks back then. That's a lot. To buy a really nice sound system. Um, That was back in 79. And... uh, we went into the store and we had done our research. We knew what we were looking for. And the guys from the store came up to us and they're like, ladies, the mall is down the road. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's so annoying. I know. I know. Um, and like what I said about, you know, even musicians sort of like, oh, she's a girl. You know, she probably doesn't know about this and this. Now that I've you know, grown. And I do know more things about recording and mics and various technological things. Like I think guys think that you might not be as technologically advanced or, or know your stuff other than being able to just play your little instrument. Um, I, I find that's so condescending. (laughs) Well, I mean, and this by no means is, lots of people, but there are some people along the way through the years who have had that attitude. Um, I find myself like um, right up front, like trying to gracefully show my credentials, like right away show that Mm -hmm. I know my stuff. Yeah. And I don't like doing that. Yeah. It does. But I, I am aware that I am doing that and probably, and right away it works. Like right away I have their, um, attention, attention. Yeah. And and that they see, okay, she's valid. Um, and, uh, there's a thing about being a woman too, like that it's, it's a novelty or something. And like they see I'm a woman. So, Oh, you should be in a band with all women Uh, Or, you know, like, that would be so good. And for me, I just see myself as a musician. And I want to choose to play with people, not because of their gender, but because of who my soul connects with enough to make make this wonderful, um, like, who is the catalyst to a wonderful energy in the music that's that's an interesting conversation because especially nowadays that there's uh, some sort of push to have these exotic like exotically exclusive uh bands like it's an all black band or it's an all women band or it's an all gay band or mm. so like and and that that's like empowering nowadays mm. in some aspects mm-hmm but to have you view that as like, what what would you view that? As? What would you say that you view that as? Well, I I think it's cool to. I mean, for some people that mm-hmm. that's how they would like to do it, and and 
I can see that being all of one kind, um, all grouped together, it not only in how you relate with one another, but also in the the audience that is drawn to you. Mm. It it definitely sets your audience, mm-hmm. um, or can. Um, so I I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not oh, my thing. Now, I have been, that said, I have been in an all-woman band. I was in a band called C2H with Bobby Carmichael and Deanie Hamaker, who used to be in a very popular women's band called Wind and Wood. Mm. And, um, and so I was the third person in this band with the two of them. And um, we did a series of women's festivals, and some of them were quite militant, like some... You know, no man could be there. And if you were pregnant, you know, it couldn't be a male baby in your belly. Like they they were very, very strict about it. And I imagine that there are some women who had some horrible, horrible, horrible experiences that they need to just... Have women. Yeah. Um, But it, it kind of felt odd to me in that way but that said man were those crowds super supportive of us um the three of us put out an album we had we just like had a gig planned and so we decided let's let's make an album to sell at this gig and uh it was just on cassette there weren't cds out at that point but i remember we um released it at this women's festival and we were sitting inside this little gazebo signing the cassettes. And there was a line just going around the whole campground to buy these. We just sold out of the entire thing all in at once. And I had the money from that. I talk about this uh, trip I took to Europe, the five-week trip. Oh, is that how we get the money from? I, I was able to pay a big chunk of it with the money we made from that CD. That's incredible. It's it's weird how things work. Like, like the, the small stuff they like, well, you know, if we're going to do this, maybe we should sell something. Mm-hmm. And then that just launches new things. Yeah. It's, um, I would say it's God, but other people would say it's like, because as a Christian, I believe God is over all things. But it's it's really interesting how these little coincidences, mm-hmm. at, at least to me, always ha- always happen, and it, it, it sets the, people up for... Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. things. Synchronicities. Synchronicities, yeah. But also I think that you create luck. Like luck is created by knowing what you want, even if it's subliminally, having a strong feeling of what you want and then being able to recognize a step towards it mm. when it is presented to you and avail yourself of that. Uh, that that definitely helps. It, it's knowing what a what your goal is, b what are you don't even have to know every step, mm-hmm. but you have to know some of the right. steps to get there and have trust and have, that like let go of that rock or that lily pad and like go to the next and leap one. For it. Yeah, because yeah. you know you're not going to get anywhere unless you take a step mm-hmm. or take a leap. 
it's never going to happen unless you do it. Like this podcast wouldn't have, ha- have, have happened had I not just, you know, taken a giant leap and asked, you know, the LBC campus if I could use their radio station. This I am be- so grateful for that. I'm I'm so excited. This is the first interview I've had that I wasn't nervous for. Like I've finally gotten to the age and maybe just the setting that you create, the warmth here that that I feel very comfortable with this. Well, thank you. It's <laughs> it's it's been a journey for sure. Um and it's and it's just getting started. And, Yay. And I I I, I it's it's really exciting. You're making the leaps. Uh, yeah, it's it's, and especially as like a, an introvert. Were you? Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I'm not an extrovert. I, I switch. Do enjoy my solitude mm-hmm. a lot, but then if I'm in the right mood, I really love hanging out with people too. I think I like. A little bit of both. Yeah, so I've I've noticed that for sure. That I've definitely, um, as I've grown older, especially I've I've enjoyed the company of a few, not a lot, mm-hmm. but a, a few people. Like going out to gigs is fine, but be, only because I'm only connecting with like Cody Gilbert or Bjorn or mm-hmm. or it, I'm not I'm not at the center of attention of a major group. Then it's like, okay, I can't do this. This is a lot. Um, but especially as an introvert, I feel like it's, it's harder to, to realize those steps and cause a lot of those steps involve other people mm-hmm. and you, cause you can't do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something if, if you think you can make, you can make it or be famous or get your stuff out there by yourself, you're sorely mistaken. It, it, it's, it can't be done, but it's so, it's so much easier even if it's just a friend, mm-hmm. you know, a close, like a family member, even it, it's so much because, you know, your family knows so many people. And it really started with me because my roommate was an extrovert and he dragged me out to all these events. And that's how I started really making connections. Oh, nice. So Yeah. And I hated it. But I realized that with without uh, my good friend, Matt Cross, uh, insanely good drummer, I would argue he's better than Woody. Which is saying something, <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, even just knowing him and him dragging me out all, to all these different places, it it's so important community mm-hmm. uh, to have that and to be willing to engage with it and to uh, just stick yourself in it because it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I I think just getting out of your comfort zone. Oh, absolutely. It, it just. So exhilarating because, well, like this, like, oh, can I interview you? And I'm like, ah. it, I'm but like, I uh, am so glad I said yes, because, um, you know, you get to when you overcome your fears and and just get to the next step. That is such a big part of your personal evolution. It's so funny because I had the same re- reaction when I asked you, like, should I ask her? I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and I was I was kind of scared. I was kind of scared because because uh, you know I'm, you know we're both kind of uh, almost introverted and are uh, more comfortable than than or, or we're more okay with being comfortable than sometimes than uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's kind of funny that a lot of the people you'll reach out to are looking to do something. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the 
you just have to ask. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, every opportunity is missed if you don't ask. Ask somebody. I uh, I realized that Chicago is coming to AMT in like May. Oh wow! And so I was like, it would be insanely awesome if because there's a bunch of Chicago members and they're all at their older age Mm -hmm. and i've realized that a bunch of older musicians love to talk 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 yeah it's true Uh, anyway so i i I felt like okay this is an opportunity that i could have chicago on on this podcast even though it's more focused towards local acts i I, who's gonna who's gonna you know miss up a chicago interview you know what i mean right um i've been a, a fan of them for a long time so i reached out to them uh, unfortunately, they haven't gotten back to me, and that you know that, that's okay. But can't I did hurt it. To ask, yeah, it can't hurt to yeah, ask. It, rather than like the situation is over, and you just think, man, I just should have. Yeah, and you know if if you know if they reach out to me in like the next few days, it's gonna be awesome anyway. Yep. And you know, it's it's even if they don't respond, or even if they say no, at least I did it, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I won't be afraid to do it again. Yeah. That's huge. And yeah, there's another thing you got to get used to is rejection. Right. Right. Yeah. And to that, like like you said, ask for it. I think it's really important to know what it is you want, not only to be able to ask for it, but also if someone comes up to you and wants something of mm. you, um. I I put it through myself and I think now is that something I truly truly do want and I listen to my body and if my body is like uh uh-uh, uh I, I I really don't and it's not just my fear talking it's just that that thing isn't something I want I feel perfectly comfortable now saying no I didn't used to feel comfortable saying no I felt guilty about it or something but also, um, you know, I, I have exuberant yeses to give too. Yeah, it's it's and, and it's a balance sometimes because sometimes you'll say yes to everything. You'll be mm-hmm. Yes, man. Yes, man. Yes, man. Yeah, uh, that's something I have had to learn that you can't say yes to everything because you're going to burn yourself out. Right. And that's something that's more dangerous. And you get yourself on the wrong tangent if you're just saying yes to everything without checking within yourself if it that is going to take you in the direction that feels true to you you're going to end up in a tangent that is not your truth yeah that, that's that's a uh, another yeah because you end up being fake or you lying lying to yourself or exactly just it's it's like a lie saying yeah. yes to something that you truly mean no to or or yes to something that you completely disagree with correct yeah it, that's that's a, a a huge thing that i feel like a lot of people are scared to say sometimes because especially when it comes to like uh, social issues um what whether or not you know you agree with something or something other having to say something and having to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and your beliefs is, is something that is dangerous sometimes. Has there ever been a, a spot where you've had to stand up for yourself firm and uh, were, were the consequences or how, how did, how has did that situation play out? I'm sure 
<laughs> given the uh, the uh, plethora of social issues going on from like the sixties onward, mm-hmm. that there might have been some of those situations. Let's see. I mean, I can think of uh, like the first thing that popped into my head where I felt um, kind of scared uh, was when my mom and I were just in a pizza joint and some guy came up to us and was super forward and basically saying, you know, I don't need your yes. You know, I, oh, I'm going to have you. Yeah, basically. I mean, th- th- and this was in a pizza joint, but like he was big and he probably could have dragged us off. Right. But, you know, I'm not saying this is how everybody could do it, but I was I went in, listened to my um, personal self and I started just talking to him as a person, as a compassionate person and and talking about his mother and about God and um, and how this was my mother, and just bringing him back to his humanity. He was in a place that was off his center, mm-hmm. and I brought him back to his center, and it ended up being a very peaceful thing. Uh, there was one time, <laughs> uh, the, again, that I was worried with the situation. My husband and I were walking in... Um, I think it was Lisbon again, and we had heard about these people like the police there that would um, trick people by um, trying to sell them drugs, Mm. and then if you went for it, they would throw you in jail, and... Mm. um, he, he he tried to show us a thing, and my husband was looking at it. It was, like, carved into something, and I was like, no, no, we're going. And uh, the the guy persisted, and I just turned to him and went, <laughs> <laughs> It was just, like, the first thing that came to me, and he, he was like, get on, ran <laughs> off. And, like, sometimes it's just like this. What comes up from your toes on up, and and so and it worked. Funny. I I was a cat. I yeah right yeah that, that that's awesome. That, <laughs> I expect nothing less. To be quite honest, <laughs> uh, there's been a few times where I I've I've been in those kind of situations in downtown Lancaster. Uh, for anybody who has never heard me laugh, I have one of uh, a ludicrous laugh. Um, I don't maybe. I haven't laughed too much at open mics, I don't think. Oh. Um, now I, I'll consider that a challenge. Yeah, to, but mine's really, it's really high-pitched, insanely loud. <laughs> it's its ridiculous. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous that it gets, it gets me called out across campus. Um, <laughs> like, people will be like, oh, I heard you while walking to class. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> um... Quick tangent, but I, I actually got recognized by my laugh. But do you know who Mike Block is? He created the cello strap. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, and there's another guy, Sandeep Das, who plays the tablas mm-hmm. really, really well. And they're like world class musicians. And they oh nice yeah. And they came to the Trust, which is the LBC's like uh, performing. Sp- space oh, right like premium performance space it's like right next to the market mm-hmm. um and uh i had gone there and they had some said some funny jokes and i, I laughed 
and the the next day they uh since since uh they have such a close relationship with LBC they had a uh master class for us in in our forum and uh they had done the same jokes and I laughed again and they and they stopped their set and said who is I know that laugh. <laughs> and uh, they, 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 uh, they brought me up and I got pictures of them and, and they said, your laugh brought us so much joy that night. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that was, and I was like, the you most, should sample that. I really, so many people <laughs> it, have said I should sample it. You should. And it, like every key of the keyboard <laughs> would have it in a different tone. That'd be funny. Um, yeah, but I, I, Give I me a symphony of your laughter. <laughs> That would be that would be really fun. Um, granted, I'm 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 I can't really laugh now. My voice is shot. Uh, but um, yeah, I've I've been told so many times you should sample your laugh because I can manipulate it into like a kind of jokery, creepy laugh too. So it's kind of fun sometimes. I was Joker for Halloween and I legitimately scared the crap out of some people. But anyway, <laughs> uh, th- this laugh had gained some attention of. This random dude, he, he was, he, uh, I was walking with my girlfriend at the time back to the car and uh, he was like, hey, yo, hey, yo. And I just wanted to ignore it because I, I, I knew exactly the kind of guy it was just by the way of his voice. It, it was a drug addict uh, mm. of some sort. And uh, I just wanted to ignore it because I, I didn't even know he was talking to me, but I had heard it. And, um, so I had, so I had my girlfriend, but. You know, she does. She wasn't really paying attention, but I realized if I don't respond, this might something might happen. So I turned around and said, "Hello, what's up?" And uh, he straight up asked me if I had, you know, hardcore drugs on me, mm. and I'm like, "No, not at all." And I'm sorry, man. And and I, you know, quick, quickly left. But I, because my my laugh does sound like I'm kind of on drugs sometimes, and <laughs> it, it's it, it's that ridiculous. But it, that was I was scared not for myself but more for of my my girlfriend because I don't mm-hmm. know what was going to happen mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't clock what was happening at all. Uh, she, she she was going to this college and a lot of, uh, a lot of these the people here at this college are rather sheltered. I, I haven't been in the world as much um, and and she didn't she didn't clock that that was a dangerous situation cuz i could see that he had a piece on him oh wow so so the world has all kinds of situations the world has all <laughs> kinds of situations we have our choice of how to respond to them in a and hopefully it, compassionate way or whatever and hopefully the <laughs> so, right way with a hiss <laughs> sometimes it takes a hiss sometimes it says no thank you sir and walk away <laughs> it's 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 how it is I, I think we are going to take a little bit of a break. Um, we have a few songs from Robin. Yes. Would you like to introduce your first one? Okay. Um, this one, Living the Dream. I was um, actually around New Hope, and this song started coming to me, and uh, I was by the river. Sometimes being around water really brings out the creativity in me, and uh I hadn't brought my violin, but I knew I wanted to buy a mandolin. So I bought one and by the banks of the river there, um, I I wrote this song and it was the first one I've written on a mandolin. Ready to play? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. 
I recorded that one in my basement. Just it was just all me, um, which these days I'm doing a lot of um, for my own stuff. Um, just kind of playing instruments sometimes that I'm not really familiar with, but um, just make them work. Mm. But um, like for these demos I do in the basement, it's often a pretty sparse uh arrangement like that but i find i like that i like to hear all the little parts interlocking parts as opposed to one big thick wall Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really nice to have just a you know a guitar and a singer sometimes or uh in this case a mandolin violin and a and a singer and and viola i think was in there too okay Mm -hmm. i've always (laughs) I have a violin that I'm starting to learn how to play and a cello that I'm starting to learn to play, but I'm nice. realizing viola is hard to find. Oh, really? Yeah, viola is hard to find. Um, I only know one viola, uh, one viola player, actually. Uh, so I'm sure they're hard to find, too. Um, but do you play viola a little bit? Or? I do play viola, yeah. Um, my husband's dad used to play viola, mm. and I... Um, was fortunate enough to be given that instrument. That's cool. Uh, you, but you currently play like a violin, like fiddle violin, right? I mean, I don't, I don't really think of the way I play as fiddle. In fact, I'm really not very good at old timey mm-hmm. fiddle or bluegrass fiddle. Um, really, like from the get go, when I wanted to sound like a gypsy violinist, I think I'm more influenced by that style rather than uh, a bluegrassy thing. Like I just don't have the right zigzag, jag, whatever you need for it. Um, Looseness, whatever. Um, There's more of an urgency, I think sometimes in what Mm -hmm. I end up playing, but um I really do enjoy playing violin. Like it's such an expressive instrument that you can mm-hmm. you whisper or growl or scream, scream yeah. or just sing. Just tiptoe sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how? Because I know, I know, just playing violin just a little bit, you get really hard fingers. Yeah, the calluses. Calluses. Have you ever like made your fingers bleed at some point? I'm sure. Um. Yeah. Uh. I think more. I mean, I. It's rare that I've been away from the violin long enough that I. Uh, I really did damage to them because the the um, calluses are so profound. Um. Towards the beginning, when I first met Bjorn, um, we played a festival called the Loyal Sock Festival, I think it was called. And um, it was like a camp out thing. And we ended up playing like first thing in the morning all through the day Mm -hmm. and into the wee hours of the night for several days. And I had... I did have blisters on my fingers and um, just like contusions on oh, my yeah. neck. Like my neck, you know, it's like a permanent hickey I have. Yeah, there. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I often feel it more in my neck 
mm. than I do in my fingers. How do you keep a, a healthy body with your uh, while doing violin? Because I'm sure that you've probably had like so many like more like neck issues or yeah. Um, I'm a massage therapist, and uh, so I do believe in getting massages, although I don't get enough myself. I do have, um, my son gave me uh, a machine that uh, does shiatsu massage. You can just kind of get those massaging knobs just right where you want them. So I do that. Um and there's times it's just like boulders on my shoulders. Uh-huh. I'm sure that you've had many a stretch as a violinist. Yeah. You had to, all right. Yeah, okay. yeah, you did definitely stretching and just moving the whole body. I do like mm. going running and just get that kind of brings you back to center as opposed to in one direction. Right, yeah. There's a few violinists that I know that are constantly always like this. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, but it's also like... Mm. Yeah, and I, I get headaches, and I do wonder how many of them come from the spinal neck, issues yeah. that happen in the neck. Yeah. That's going to suck. But, <laughs> you know, sacrifices you'll make to, to do music. Yep. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, a lot of the time my hands will start cramping up, or because I'm not used to kind of stretching my arm or my hand out. And and I, to be quite honest, I'm probably doing it in unhealthy ways because I don't know the form Mm -hmm. as much. Uh, So, well, I I mean, not that our bodies were meant to be in these particular positions too. The bow hold, which is so weird. Yeah. Like before I really got into playing music more recently, like I, I went through a stage where um, when I told you my husband decided to break up mm. Modern Icons Band and I went through an emotional tailspin at that point. Doubt it. Um, I, a major depression and then I decided, okay, I'm going to make my own album um, and... And I brought together a lot of great musicians from the area. Charlie Burnett on bass, who actually played in Modern Icons. And, uh, oh gosh, now their names are escaping me, everybody. Chad Kinsey on guitar, Paul Murr on drums, Matt Thomas on keyboards. Um, Anyway, brought together these great musicians laid down tracks but then it was I couldn't continue at that first studio like there was they never could get us in so I brought those tracks to another place and did a lot of work on them over there and was just finally getting into the um, finishing stages of mixing it and the next time I called him he had deleted all the files <laughs> the, the whole process from beginning to end had taken maybe three years it was just clawing my way through this process when he did that it was like I don't know a lightning bolt struck me and I just like another deeper tailspin and um that's gotta be harsh man. my mom gave me other than life itself the best <laughs> gift that anyone had ever given me. She gave me the money to set up my own studio. 
Mm. And this was before I was super not technologically intuitive or anything. I didn't even do emails. Like I didn't get anywhere near a computer. It was before Facebook or anything. Um, And so it was a huge learning curve. I got the nicest equipment I could get for this amount of money and really did my homework on it. And then I was so afraid I was going to mess up the things. Like You see my three by five cards here (laughs) I have here. Well, I had them just taped beside my unit um, to to tell me what to t- knob to turn and and everything's just so I wouldn't I was afraid blue sparks would fly from the whole thing but um, really figured out how to do this and went from that place of deep depression where I couldn't get out of bed for a long time mm. and um, to just throwing myself into writing my own music and creating it on this machine and uh, and playing instruments like I, I played some electric guitar on it. I didn't really know how to play that, <laughs> but I did just the parts I needed, like a bunch of linear parts interlocking um, and got a keyboard and um, like did some banjo and all kinds of things. Used the cello for bass line. Anyway, um, so it, I, I'm sorry, I, I lost track no, of your good. initial uh, question there. Uh, so but, did I, but um, that's that's fine. We could talk about, uh, do you want to talk more <laughs> about like the whole like cycle of being in d- depression and how you get out of that? And Yeah, I mean, just the kids would go off to school and I'd go into my studio and I I may not have eaten breakfast or brushed my hair or my teeth I just go in and throw myself into into it and um came up with a a bunch of songs and um oh I guess I guess this was um came from like hurting your body like I Mm. I during that period of time I hadn't been really playing with a band I was just playing in the studio which isn't as much wear and tear as playing you know three four hours with a band which back then it was four hour gigs um so during the time that I wasn't playing with the band, and, and there was a, a little time in there, I was playing with a rock band, um, Backdoor Victoria, um, with some friends. And uh, finally, I got, I pulled together Lava Cave. And then I had this wealth of demos that I had been making in my basement to um, share with Nick DeSanto, is my partner in crime is that the one man band yeah guy? he's the one man band dude i've heard a lot about him and i, I want to talk to him <laughs> yeah yeah he would be a great person to interview um witf i think interviewed him um when we first played together he wasn't playing drums and all that stuff he evolved into what he is doing now kind of going through lava cave um mm. First, it was just the two of us playing together, and then a friend of ours played banjo, so we we threw him in, Kenny. And uh, then 
and we had a few gigs. And then Kenny left for California, and um, Nick felt weird about being just two people again. And so he learned how to play sitting down, playing drums with his feet while he played guitar and then playing tambourine with his elbow. So it was the origins of him being a woman. That man. was. That's, that's, that's how. That's so interesting. It was solving this problem of how can we still have a fuller sound with only two, two people. people. So we played one gig like that. Our very first gig, we knew we eventually wanted to get a stand-up bass player. Um, We played one gig that was opening for this fantastic gypsy, gypsy folk rock band called Fish Tank Ensemble. And Mm -hmm. it was there that we met our next bass player, um, Donna Volus, ended up being a bass player with us and so we spent time teaching her all our songs Um, but during all this and playing gigs all together um, I was afraid that I I had been having a lot of pain at the base of my thumb and I guess Mm -hmm. it's arthritis stuff I was afraid doing all this music is really going to make that bad but contrary to that for some reason it made it all better oh wow like it's like using it, keeping things fluid and flowing just made the pain. And maybe it was the endorphins too. I don't know. The magic stuff that gets released when you make music, it just took the pain away. That's something I've been realizing a lot. Uh, I've been, so I marched the, uh, the uh, glockenspiel. Oh, that's intense. That well, Yeah. So I've had a lot of back trauma but a lot of, you know, back strength from that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, uh, recently it's been the case, ever since I kind of graduated college, uh, I've just been laying in my bed doing nothing because I've also n- not the happiest person, um, despite what it may seem. <laughs> um, but so I've realized that, you know, I've, I've got a hunched shoulder, so i got to straighten myself up. <laughs> but it 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 hurts. <laughs> To be uh, in a healthy position. Oh, your body isn't accustomed to that. Well, well, yeah, not only yeah, not only that, but it's just it's being forced and contorted to be a certain way, and then you know, going back to the natural way is unnatural. Mm-hmm. And you've you, you're stretching these muscles you've never stretched in like you know ten fifteen years. I'm not that old, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of hyper- hyperbole. But it's hard to the point where now that I'm, like, actually doing stuff and I'm standing again, I've been laying in my bed for, like, a year and a half almost um, just watching TV laying laying on my side. So I, it's being able, now standing up, doing work, doing this stuff, doing other stuff. Uh, it's hard to stand for a long time. Mm. And especially when I'm, uh, like, Doing a, a gig or out, 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 out at an open mic, it's hard to uh, keep the energy going without having. Oh, I gotta sit down. Ah, yeah, but as as slowly, surely as I'm using the muscles, it's getting easier and easier. And yeah, less, probably. Less yeah, the more, like I said, like playing the music made made my body feel better. Like the more you move, mm-hmm. the more you 
just keep yeah. the fluidity going and I've been having to stretch a lot. Yeah, that's that's great for you. Yeah, and uh, especially uh, so I I there was a time I played soccer when I was a kid. So I was and I played baseball and basketball. So I was like this super athletic kid. And I remember being able to bend down and completely touch my toes without a problem. And now I can barely like bend down and touch my knees. And it's <laughs> like, oh, wow. I really need to fix something. And yeah. So yeah, because you're, you're young. <laughs> I'm only, yeah, I'm only 22. And, and, and I mean, I, I don't feel that at right. my age, which is a nice thing because I've probably felt like that at certain times in my life and things have gotten better. Um, that's, I'm here to tell you, youngsters, <laughs> like you might feel really crappy at a certain stage of your life and it's not going to go downhill from there that things can. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. There's things ups can and downs. get better. And yeah, that's, I feel like that's, that's a lot of things like, especially the younger generation that we kind of feel like, because uh, memes are popular. Right, and mm-hmm. uh, we consume all this all this information through short, you know, little pictures, yeah. and we have this expectation of oh, when even when, in our twenties when we have back pain, that's going to last forever, but it's not. As long as you keep as if you keep exercising and and you know moving around, mm-hmm. it, if you take care of your body, it's going to take care of itself. Yep, and people don't realize that, and I didn't realize that until recently, and now I'm starting to reap the benefits of being able and now I can at least touch the top of my shoes by bending down and Good. that's yes yeah, so I'm, I'm getting I mean better. it is we talked about instruments being these vessels for for what we do and I mean if we do bang them up too much they aren't going to do much for us and mm-hmm. and these are our ultimate vessels right, and tools right. and we we really do need to keep them in good shape and and yeah so I try as hard as I can to or probably I could be trying harder, but to keep myself um, in good shape, just to to be able to fulfill my joy, which is right, the music yeah. and being creative. And a, a large part of it for me is that I want to have kids someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's because I, I I love children and I love the idea of having my own children and you know that kind of thing. I or I want to be. I you know I work with kids at uh I teach kids how to swim and it's just like baby fever constantly Aww. for me. So I, I and and I, I, like a year ago or a year or two ago I was over three hundred pounds. Wow! And weight, yeah, you wouldn't you would have known. I w- I wear my weight really well. Uh, even now sitting here, I'm I'm two hundred and seventy pounds. Wow! You would have never guessed. No. Right. Um. But I. I I largely assume that's because of the calf muscles and the back muscles I've gotten from you know marching yeah, all that yeah. stuff, but um I I I realize that I'm not at a healthy weight and if I keep living like this, I'm not going to be able to give my children or my future self mm-hmm. uh, uh the possibility to thrive right or to live so I'm mainly doing it. I, I've realized that you have to invest in the future, not your past. Because mm-hmm. there's so many people that say, oh, if I would have done this, I would have, or they think think about their past, but they never think yeah. about their future. Right now is the point, is the point of yeah. change. Like that's that's where you control control it all. Not only 
what you're going to do, but also how you perceive what you have done. Mm -hmm. You can like feel really depressed about these things that happened in the past, or you can look at them in a different way and see, man, I really learned this thing from Mm -hmm. what happened back there. I, I also you brought up children and I want to, mm-hmm. yes, I do want talk, to talk about, about that children. as a as far as being a musician. I've I've known some great musicians who were like, yeah, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, I, we're we're having kids and so I can't be doing music anymore. <sighs> And actually, woulda, coulda, shoulda is exactly what our bass player at the time in Modern Icons said when Steve and I told him that I was pregnant with my daughter, Marisha. Um, that was your first? He, Yeah. He, he said, you know, he basically thought, well, we can't do what we wanted to do anymore because of oh. this. Um, and I am here to say on the other side of it that... Having kids was, it did not hold us back from music at all. Now, we did utilize babysitters, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were playing sometimes three times a week, and then I'd have a feast or two on top of that. But those were all nights, and because my job was just the night times, most of that time Mm. is their sleeping time anyway, I was free to be with the kids all during the days. So I got to just luxuriate in being with them and, and feeding them the whole time and um, and playing with them and reading to them and, and doing stuff on the farm and then hand them over to the babysitter when it was time to clean them up and put them to bed. Um <laughs> So give the dirty work to the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> we paid them <laughs> and they were happy for it. And my kids, like there are some people who are like, oh, I don't want my kids going to babysitters. My kids loved having the babysitters. It really taught them how to hang with new people mm-hmm. and and they still have some relationships with babysitters in the past. Um and when we would play gigs like at a winery or something where it was in the evenings and families would bring their blankets out and picnics, the family, like our our moms and, and dads would come out and or lay out the blanket and take the kids along. And then they would run around the vineyard with the other kids. And then when we'd play, they'd be in front of the stage and dancing and they would make banners for us that we would put across the stage or they'd help us hold the signs to sell CDs. Um, They loved, they recount some of those moments of some of their happiest moments of their childhood And now um, my twins, Tosh and Weston, are both musicians themselves. Um, And so I just want to encourage all musicians out there who are thinking about hanging up music just because they want to have children too. Don't do it. Or refraining from having children because they want to do music. It's it's not going to, it's not going to, there's such a culture today that says you have to put your career first or you have to do 
this first. Mm-hmm. You can it's you can do both. It's not it's not entirely impossible. And in fact, you're probably going to be better off for it because at a certain point, especially as a woman, you can't have babies anymore. Mm-hmm. There, there is there is a timeline. Yeah, and it's it's going to get harder and harder as you go older and older. And it's if you keep pushing it back, it's going to be harder to harder and harder you to raise those kids. Op- yeah, you lose the opportunity to do it. And lo- um, lose extra time with those kids. So yeah. if, you, if you get it done early in your career, you're going to have longer time with your kids. Right, right. Like I said, I was preg- big and pregnant with the twins while I was rocking out on the chameleon stage. And then years later, in their band... They got to revisit that stage and say, the last time we were here, we were in utero. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I, I met Wes the other day at a, a telescope mic. I've seen, I think yeah, I've seen Weston. him around. Weston, yeah. I, I think I've seen him around before, but I never really uh, clocked that he was your son. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, so yeah, I heard you were interviewing your uh, my mother uh, this, this next week. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, Robin. That's right. You're Robin. Are you Robin? Oh, wow. Because yeah. your daughter looks exactly like you. Oh, thank you, yeah. uh, Marisha. Marisha. Yeah. Like I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Double take. Yeah. Right. Right. Because um, cha- I've known a few other chambers um, having the last name, mm. so I, I just you know, don't, especially when we're around like Lancaster County, I don't right, really think right. much about. There's a million Who's and five related. Stoltz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't really think of anything of it. And I was like, "Oh shoot, that's awesome!" Yeah. So you think- and she became a dancer oh, too. She? So it was related to music as well. Um. So you think you had a really good, healthy balance between family and music? Absolutely. In fact, I think doing music helped me engage in mm. parenthood more deeply because, as I said, I was able to be there during the days. Is there any? So when when I had Nathan on on this the story, uh, he had said that his mother had, or when he had talked about this tribe that gave uh, whatever children specific songs to the uh, the people that were born um, as as like a tradition, and then whenever they did something wrong, they would sing it back towards them, and so oh, much wow. more. And so that way it would like bring them back almost yes. to being a human. That's what I said about we, like yeah. coming back to center, like mm-hmm. they're relating out here and like that would, yeah. that, what a great way of bringing somebody back to center. I know. I was thinking about, I was like, yo, that's got to be the most convicting moment of it. Like imagine like uh, you've done something this horrible wrong and then they come out in love and sing your old yeah. song, your, your personal song. They, they sang to you when you were born, I'm man, like, that is something kinda, we should adopt. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's, I'm thinking that's about it. That's an excellent idea um, because but, don't forget who you are mm-hmm. and we love you. You've done this. We love you. This is who you are. I was wondering if you, and I, I was thinking about to my childhood that my mother used to always sing with, with arms wide open by Creed. Oh, um, I was wondering if you had any specific songs you would think about or sing to your children. I mean, I I just made up stuff. Was, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, sometimes if they'd be crying, um, there's this song, There's an island way out in the sea. Mm. 
where the babies they all grow on trees and it's jolly good fun to sit in the sun and watch little babies in the breeze breeze but you better watch out if you sneeze, sneeze yeah. Achoo. and yeah, that, that always brought them in <laughs> that's cool um I wonder what, what if they ever got angry today. You started singing that. I wonder what would happen. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> curious funny, if it like struck. Some, I haven't sung that. And... Funny experiment. Yeah. Um. So, I, so now that you're older and your kids are doing their own thing, how um, much contact do you do you do you still keep a healthy balance with them? Oh, yeah. I was just, um, well, I was, Weston brought out his tuba to open mic last night, and I was there in support of him. Um, And just the night before, Marisha had a friend who uh, used to be a roommate in college who was playing at TELUS, and uh, I joined her to to watch that. I really missed out last night. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's going to bring the tuba out some more. And he also brought out the ukulele and he's doing a White Stripes tune. Um, mm. And I go out, I was doing a lot of recording in Pittsburgh where Weston's twin brother lives. And uh, often when I was in Pittsburgh, I would either crash at his and his girlfriend's place or or be put up and, and just get together with them for supper. and, um, But, yeah, I, I, my kids are, like, my favorite people. I just <laughs> adore hanging out with them. They're just, like, super fun, intelligent, creative, zany, wonderful people. Is there um, – so – I didn't get a lot of time to talk with my mother. Um, and I, I specifically remember talking to her about like some of her more adult experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, well, you got to wait till you're 18 to tell you that or whatever. Aww. Yeah. So and those are like, didn't get to, didn't yeah. get, didn't get to. Right. Um, but she has some of the most fun stories. Is there anything that, that you would want your children to know that you haven't told them yet? Ah, <sighs> You know, I am, and they'll probably be the first to uh, second this, that pretty much I just blurt out everything that comes up as it comes up. Mm. Um, There isn't really anything I've held back from them um, that is something that they should know. Um, that's good. Yeah, it's, That's good. Uh, we really and and it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think for them as children, there are certain things that they want to keep, as, you know, don't want to share with their oh, parents. Right. But for the most part, the, I mean, there's a lot of fluidity about everything in our lives. That's good. Do, uh, do you have any advice for parents, uh, how to parent kid or? Um, well, I think for me, the biggest thing was just be thoroughly planted in the moment and drink Mm. up 
the joy of it or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that every moment was, <laughs> yeah, it was intense, but just remember that it all passes so quickly. And mm. I knew in that moment that I could be sitting here in this moment looking back on it. So I wanted to just like absorb it with every little bit of me that I had. And I'm really glad I did that. Like when they left and um, were having these very independent lives, like they they are not the kind of kids that call every day or, or even every week. And that's a good thing in my book in that they feel so well grounded in their life that they don't need to to hang on to mommy and um, that when we reach out for each other it's because we really are seeking each other's Mm. true company and energy and um, so I felt very complete when they went off on their own lives that was a kind of interesting thing I had to deal with Um, thankfully my my grandmother had moved into the area so we moved in with her. Oh. Um, well, there, there's a whole other story. We lost a house in 2008 because of wow. the crash. Uh, that was before my mother died. And then, uh, thank God that my my grandmother was just like, I want to be closer to my daughter. So she moved from Pittsburgh to oh, Salisbury sweet. right before we lost the house. Yeah. So we got to move in with her. Um, but she is very much a family person. And, and now that she's lost a daughter before you know losing herself. Uh, she's very, very attached to us, mm-hmm. to to me and my sister, and um, having like she will see that like I have fifty dollars in my bank account and just randomly add another hundred. And, and, and it's so nice to know when somebody has your back like that. Super nice, yes. However, um, I'm I want to be more independent, mm. and that's not to say that I'm going to let myself go homeless because that's. Uh, my grandmother wouldn't allow that. <laughs> uh, but um, I do want to be independent. A, a large part of me moving out of here was because I didn't want to live in my parents' house for un, until at least until my grandmother died. I went in, especially because there's no, there was, there is little to no opportunity in at least Salisbury, Maryland that I saw for music as opposed to a place like Lancaster, PA, where, isn't Lancaster great for Lancaster that? Lancaster is, it was, it's so great because I can do this. I can do this podcast. There's no mm-hmm. way in the world I could have done this podcast down in Salisbury, Maryland, where all, it's basically Salisbury and then Ocean City, Maryland. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. There's there's no other, there's nothing culturally going on there. There's nothing musically happening there besides older folk. And there's nothing wrong with that. The older folks doing, old, you know, their, uh, say, you know, rock set and mm-hmm. country set. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But it, it's not where I wanted it to be. I wanted right. I wanted it to be put More into innovative, action. And, yeah, and and do something and be and you have to be in a spot where you can do something. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to move up here and be able to support myself by myself. Mm-hmm. And that was a a large learning experience because I and the reason why I got this idea is because my dad my dad had kind of he was kind of the. Uh, uh, for lack of a better word, dumber person in, in the relationship. Um, not to say that he was dumb at all, but he kind of let my mother do all the taxes, handle all the finances. Oh, right. uh, she she was like the uh, high school More. teacher. 
she was more organized more organized yep she was yeah she she literally taught science so she had that like logic brain down Mm -hmm. um smartest woman i've ever met was my mother um so when she died my dad was like what now (laughs) well what do i do yeah and um like how do i do taxes how do i do all these Mm -hmm. you know simple day-to-day stuff that he probably should have learned by himself and he he will admit that he should have learned by himself he just she did it so yeah. i didn't have to so that's something you'd like to to learn yeah independence independence but my like, i love my grandmother but she's too generous <laughs> you know I'm, that's so rough that's so rough <laughs> how dare she be generous to me but it, uh, it it's also kind of like well i don't i don't want her to waste her money on me mm. so I, I i feel like it's a hard position because yes i'm very very incredibly grateful for my grandmother and I, it's, it's indescribable the amount of happiness and uh, gratefulness that I have for her. But I also don't want to seem like I'm taking advantage of her either mm-hmm. because uh, she'll, she's very willing to help me out. And without any repayment at some point, she was just like, just don't worry about it. I'll just give it to you. Well, the sooner you like really get, into the music thing and start like making start lots making, of money. Start, like yeah, there's gonna, less of a need for her to. There's less of a need. There's more of a more of advantage to me to give back. Yeah, because that that's what I want to do. Uh, because I've, you know, she's invested in me so much. And and so you can do that not only from doing live shows like I've been doing, but also I'm doing a lot of studio work as well, mm. and that can be a nice income too. And you're, I mean, you just said how diverse you're becoming, learning these various instruments. That's, mm-hmm. that's a really nice thing to have. But. Yeah. Uh, we were, I was talking to Liam uh, Galliano yesterday mm-hmm. and he was, he, he had said, yeah, the first time I posted a picture with me and my upright bass, he just got millions of calls. They, yeah, like, hey, that's really sought after. It's true. Yeah, so I, I'm slowly realizing that maybe I just because I can't, during 2020 everyone did their like little hobby, mm-hmm. and my hobby was buying used instruments. Ah, because they were super that's cheap. Great. Yeah, people they were, were like, "I need money now." Yeah, uh, yeah right. And I, I was <laughs> Take like, "Take this." <laughs> so I, I, I got, I, I've got in so many instruments. I got a, a nice lap steel. Ooh, sweet! Yeah, I've got I've got an an accordion, an auto Ah, harp. Ah, nice! Um, I have an auto harp too. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. So I've gotten all these unique instruments that would probably do well if if I learned them. (laughs) Um, probably. Uh Uh, but I legitimately would do well. Uh, I got a dulcimer Mm -hmm. that if I can learn, I'm sure there's just giant folk Mm -hmm. place here. It's it's um. That's power to to be able to add all those different colors mm-hmm. to recordings. And, and that's what I like to do in my studio. I have a bunch of weird instruments. Again, like you, I'm not quite sure how to play them, but I kind of have an idea of what I can do with them. And 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 especially in the, now that I'm in a spot where I can take care of myself financially, I can uh, do what what I wanted. I can you know I can do this. I wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't secure financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'll and I I'm moving into a new apartment where I have the space to actually learn these instruments and take my knowledge deeper. And it's 
it, it goes with, without saying, but sometimes we can be trapped in our own homes mm-hmm. and not realize it. For example, I, I've been living in this apartment, and I'm not I'm not knocking my apartment. I, I've been very grateful to have this apartment for two years, uh, but it was a 10-foot by, like, 8-foot space mm-hmm. where it was literally – some people could call that a walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and working in there and sleeping in there in the same room was really unhealthy. That's it's, intense. It's yeah. intense, yeah. It's And it's uh, there's been a lot of studies that's really unhealthy for you. Um so I never really did anything with the, the all the instruments were just in the corner and I, I I've had had I had so much time to delve into something but I just never did it mm-hmm. because I felt so cramped yeah almost so yeah. I'm really excited to have the the opportunity to just go somewhere else and mm-hmm. be being able to uh grow in these certain areas and make more more of a name for myself cuz uh <laughs> it could be a one man band or it could be a per, a one man orchestra you know what i mean and mm-hmm. play play everything by myself and yeah. and like like me just like um record just layers and layers, layers. And layers keep on layering it up i enjoy doing that this next song though that mm. um yes. i did this was done by um my band modern icons and um, during the 18 years we were together, we had a series of three different stand-up bass players. You said, <laughs> it's hard to find stand-up bass players. We were lucky to find three good ones. Cool. The first one was Mike Shank, who we did a lot of the, we got off the ground with. And then we were with Anders Allfelt from around the Philadelphia area. This third one was Charlie Burnett, and uh, he's who Steve Chambers and I recorded this one with um, over at Michelle Mercure's studio in Lancaster. We had a lot of fun. Spiral. I believe in the river's wild meander I believe in the path of a rolling stone I believe in the mad dog's want and want I believe in the ramble of a withered grown Chaos is my friend Chaos is my Chaos is my friend. Chaos is my friend. Chaos is my friend. 
believe in gravity's sprawl I believe in the river's wild meander I believe in the path of a rolling stone I believe in the mad dog's want and wonder I believe in the ramble of a withered crone Chaos is my friend Chaos is my friend Chaos is my friend And it rings and it rhymes around Chaos is my friend Chaos is my I guess, well, my daughter, Marisha, when she was little, um, I would I would sit on the floor with her and I'd show her how to stack the, the blocks just so. And she'd just look at it and go, <laughs> and they'd just fly across. And every time I would try to show her some organization or anything of the cubes, she would just like obliterate it and uh that's hilarious and so i i thought oh man chaos is her friend and and then i thought well she comes by it naturally (laughs) um i i do allow some chaos into my life and frankly i think there's there's a good place for chaos in one's life like that that's the juicy stuff that you can yeah because uh, draw from no matter what chaos is going to happen either way Mm -hmm. so you might as well take advantage of it anyway and sometimes lean into it Mm -hmm. because sometimes the 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 best growth and the best opportunities can come from leaning into the chaos yeah yeah not being afraid of it not trying to put all the blocks in a row mm-hmm. all the time. And sometimes you got to shatter your own blocks sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that and that's Don't be a blockhead. Don't be a blockhead and don't cage yourself in a wall. Mhm. That are yeah, whatever however that thing yeah. is. Yeah. Break those walls break, down. Break your own walls down. Um it's important to life because we're always building walls and we're and we don't sometimes we don't realize it that we're building walls until mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> why am I all alone? Why am I all alone? Or why am I feeling this way when this certain thing pops up? Mm-hmm. And so we ha- it's a constant battle of self-reflection and self-exploration. Mm. I feel like a lot of people don't explore themselves or know themselves mm-hmm. even. And it, it, it's a really sad, sad, sad point sometimes because some people just don't know why they feel the way they do and aren't willing to find out. Especially right now. Man, I mean, you can't go into a place that doesn't have screens 
everywhere. Mm. There used to be these sweet little historic taverns that there were no screens. You had to be here and now. And also just looking within, like even to know how do I feel about this or that? What direction do I truly want to go without all these carrots dangling in front of me from outside my being? Like to to really go deep, but people just want desperately to be distracted from going in too deep. Like it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's freaking scary in there, what you'll find in your dusty corners. And so there's the screen with its mm-hmm. little memes all tied up little in a bow and, 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 and all the propaganda that, oh, yeah. that the world tells you, what you want or how you you should look or Mm -hmm. what you should eat or or anything you don't like go to the source and truly consider and so that's part of the reason i enjoy solitude is because i do do a lot of self-reflection um sometimes i wonder if it's too much (laughs) but um then i try to balance it by getting out and playing music with others do you ever find it helpful to go on like social media fasts or phone fasts where you just put your phone away in a drawer and forget about it for a week i haven't done that intentionally um i'll just get involved in something Mm -hmm. like i don't Uh, I'm not a person who always keeps the phone on my person. It'll be like, I'll lose it in the house (laughs) somewhere. Like, where did I put it? Um, Because I get really involved in something I'm doing. And so um, my time away from my phone comes um, out of having something better to do. That's fair. uh, My girlfriend was really really self-conscious about this was uh she realized she was taking way too much time on her phone and not really focusing on other work or it would just distract her from doing you know like homework or going out with friends or even if she was out with friends she'd be looking at her phone so she it is truly addictive it is truly and i'm realizing this about myself is that when i when especially when i'm feeling introverted uh even if i'm out somewhere i'll always go on my phone instead of literally listening or watching the music that's literally happening right in front of me. Right. Or 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 turning around to the next person and saying, asking hey. them a question and like you're doing right now. Like yeah. like a, you're good at interviews and and sharing your own stuff and um and yeah, that can be done in a casual social setting and that's what people used to do. Right. That's I, what people are meant to do. Yeah, I I have I I'm kind of enamored of these time periods where like in France at at certain times a lot of creative minds were coming together in cafes and I don't know drinking absinthe or or whatever but getting deeply into the philosophy of of life as well as their creativity and bouncing ideas one off the other. There would be writers, there would be visual artists, there would be dancers, all different disciplines coming together and minds meeting. And I love it. I love it when that happens. And uh, it's it's harder for it to happen with all these phones and screens around. Or it's... um... Or it's you get to the point where you see too much of 
the greatness that you you belittle yourself mm. because there's a constant battle of because uh, social media is designed to push the greatest and the best of the best anyway. Mm. So if you, I don't if, know. There's a lot of really crappy stuff on there too. Well, there is a cra- <laughs> there's a lot of crappy stuff, but I, I mean, like when it comes to like certain circles of like music, it, they'll typically push the best mu- the best music um, or these insanely you know viral talent vi- mm. viral talent videos where you just see these impossibly talented people mm. or these child prodigies that you can put like a, a double cord on and they'll, they'll be able to pick out every note and you're just like, well, screw me then, you know? <laughs> you know who am I, I used to do that to myself more, like even uh, not so much on screens, but going out to see music and I'd just be like, <sighs> no matter what music I saw, even if it wasn't my cup of tea, I would see something in there that they were really hitting squarely on the head that I knew wasn't in my wheelhouse. And I just think I used to be like, "Ah, why should I even bother? Like there are people doing this, but through time I I've come to see, you know, the, the little footprint that I inhabit creative creatively is is one that only I can inhabit, and um, and I love that there are other people. Uh, now I choose to get inspired by the things that wow me, and instead of putting myself down in comparison to them, I'm like, oh, I want to absorb some of that. I want and to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe not just like that, but put my own twist mm-hmm. on it, and and just it. Again, it's a challenge seeing my limitation and then see where I could move into. I just love that challenge and movement. And it's it's wild, but you don't even consider the stuff that you can do that they probably can't. Mm. Uh, because you are unique and only you can do the things the way you do them. Yeah, and, each person is like that. And you got to realize that you know the people that you're watching are not in your area Mm-hmm. Either or most most of the times, especially if you're going to like concerts, they're probably not in your area, so the, they're not. You know, you still have the opportunity to do what you do, mm-hmm. and we kind of talked about this a little bit that uh, there is there's only opportunities. There's no like lack of opportunities or opportunities mm-hmm. taken away. It's just different opportunities. Yeah. Like instead of um, running away from the things that scare you to move into the things that hold great allure to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's a positive movement instead of a negative one. Right. I'm running out of questions. To yeah, ask okay. You. Do you want to listen to we more can, music? Yeah, we can listen to more music. Um, my, my brain is being... I'm like an introvert, so this is where my brain is like, okay, this is <laughs> no, been a lot good. of talking. I have a, I have a, Cute my cards. three by five note cards too, different random bits of information. I can, yeah. Although we've been at this for a little while we, here we now. Have, yeah, we have really been. Uh, <laughs> one one question I did want to ask is, uh, what's some of your special moments as a musician? Because you had sent ah. you had sent that to me, and I'm like, oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um. 
Well, one of those was that moment in New York City on the street mm. when with a wino dancing with Howard Cosell's wife. Another one was when Modern Icons was playing at the Fells Point Fun Fest. And it's just the three of us playing our little acoustic instruments on the stage for, like I said, thousands of people. But we just, I don't know, we that day we were just really linking strong and um people really came up to the stage afterwards and wanted to talk to them and one was this older cat he looked like he had played jazz music for years and he said that he had become very jaded by the whole music scene and kind of disgusted by it, and he had put his saxophone under his bed and left it there for 25 years. And he said, tonight, I am going to take that out. And like that he... That's awesome. Just to, to create more music by the music that is being made. That is truly, that's awesome. It's got to be such a confidence booster, too. It really made me feel so happy that, like, we linked. Like, this man, we didn't have anything but the music in common, but we linked so profoundly. And that it's such a good feel. I, I mean, that's part of the music. The, the magic of the mm-hmm. music is just those profound links in a kind of universal place with others. That is wild. You want to introduce your next piece? Sure. Let's see which one is it. It is a, take, take your, your toll. toll. Um, this one I wanted to include one that I had recorded with Lava Cave. Mm-hmm. This is on our, I guess Lava Cave only put out the one album, Rapture and Catastrophe. And that's on Spotify, or is it- um, yes, it is okay. on Spotify. Lava Cave is one word, and you can find that on Spotify. This song is called Take Your Toll. And what is it? Well, what is it, what is it about? Well, um, it's interesting how it, it's in some of my songs, I take a little piece of my character uh, that I like in all my self reflection, I say, oh, gosh, I'm doing this thing. And then I, I let it have a full life. Like there is a piece of me that can belittle myself and sacrifice myself to another person, especially um, when there is love and inspiration involved. So, so, so you I probably can, do that a lot to your kids. You like Your kids are... Maybe like a small chunk of them is you. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. There, there is that. But this is a piece I hope they don't inhabit. It's not a oh, very okay. healthy um, paradigm that this piece, I mean, take your toll. This is inviting somebody to kind of mm. destroy you, um, which is just something I can take a look at in myself. Like, I'm, you know, gonna bet I'm gonna be a beggar 
I'm going to belittle myself. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I saw that aspect to myself. It's interesting. This is a song that a lot of very empowered women have often requested. And I'm thinking, why would you request that song? Because it is somebody who is surrendering their power so profoundly. But sometimes there's there's a time and a place place to do that. That's interesting. Well, this is Take Your Toll by Lava Cave.
Thank you. That's a good one. Thank you. I'm going to have to add that on my Spotify for sure. Oh, actually. sweet. Excellent. I tried to have three that were really different from one another. Oh, they were. Absolutely. Um, the, the other ones, I guess you don't have so on Spotify because they're more of just demos, right? Um, that's correct. Now, um, <clears throat> the first one I have on SoundCloud. On mm. SoundCloud, um, I did just put up a bunch of my demos. And like I said, they, they're kind of a little pitchy in spots and a little twisty, but um, they give you a feeling kind of like that one, uh, a feeling of what I'm getting at. I do have somewhere, you know, in the future, I would love to do a solo album and really, like, these are all demos, but really give it each song what it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like each album, I've done so many albums in the past with various, my own bands, but also other bands um, on the ones that are my own, like, there's always something to cringe about. <laughs> I, I would love to make an album of my own that I do not cringe at once <laughs> but I, yeah. I just glow and think ah, I did that and with the help of my friends like that it's not just me playing a bunch of instruments I don't know how to play mm-hmm. that I get people who really know, know what they're, they're doing. doing and and lay that down there I've had the chance to record with a number of really good people both recently and in the past and um it's something i really enjoy doing i most recently uh recorded in pittsburgh with uh this guy who's he's a star in zambia (laughs) his name is matthew tembo and uh he had heard some of the tracks i had done a lot of string parts for um another band i'm in right now um, Matt Otis in the sound. Okay. He's out of Bedford, and um, but we were recording an album in Pittsburgh, and that happens to be the same studio where Matthew Tembo of Zambia records. And um, he heard the string parts and wanted to write a song that incorporated similar string parts. So um, I got to record on those a couple months ago. Um, at Mount Royal Studios there. Um, I've had a chance to record at um, at Sigma Records in Philadelphia. I don't think it's open anymore, but it was like one of the big studios um, in, in Philadelphia or all across the states. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I love meeting people through doing recording with them. There was a guy um, from Pakistan named Yusuf Seti, uh, who I did some recording with, and uh, Declan O'Rourke out of Ireland has done. He, he tours all over the world, and I got to um, do a concert with him at TELUS. Oh. And um, so anyway, it's it's just a cool way to meet a lot of new people. For sure. And oh, just mm. rec- most recently, Hunter Root uh, and I 
uh, he released a new single, and he allowed me a place in it on his single. So That's cool. Yeah. Well, if you ever need help mixing or producing or a pianist, I'm always open. Awesome. Good to know. Well, this has been a wonderful time, a very long time, a very wonderful time. <laughs> it's been wonderful to have you. Thank I've... you. Thank you. It's been a joy to be here and kind of reminisce. And... Yeah. Uh, before we go, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you started? Hmm. Um, well, that it's not about the money that you make when I, I think when I first got into it and I first started and before I was, 25 people were like oh my gosh there's this new violinist in the area and she's really going places and she's <laughs> going to be somebody and I reached the age of 25 which by the way was the most difficult birthday for me turning 25 because something in me was saying oh, I I haven't made it now I'm nowhere, really. I'm, I'm old. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, if I haven't, you know, I had the whole youth thing on my side before, but I, by 25, you know, you should be pretty good if you're doing something. And uh, I didn't have that boost of youth. And um, as I grew older, I was like, well, you know, it would be nice to really do something, you know, maybe be get picked by up by some band that I could make some real money because I want to be able to send my kids to college and to have a home mm. like those. I, I didn't care about the fame, but just like the money thing that these things could happen. And because I didn't have another job. Well, I got on the other side of it. My kids somehow one way or another, we got them through college, all three of them, and I own a home, and um, I I did that without you know making any um, you know Rash great choices, yeah. yeah great great strides in the music business or anything. Um, so right now I I see it as just a way to continue joy mm. in my life, like it. Some of my most joyful moments in my entire life have been surrendering to the music with just really profound souls. And uh, just knowing that's the thing to focus on. Well, it's been an honor having you on, Robin. Thank you so much, Corey. Right, well... And with that said, I think it's that's a good spot to end it. Good three-hour recording. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. Time I was, flies. I was looking at the time. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's almost seven. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right, well, and this is, if you're just tuning in now, well, or have you been tuning in, this has been The Story with Corey Rosen and my special guest, Robin Chambers. Have a good night, everybody.